Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Amen. Well, let's get our Bibles out tonight. Let's get them opened. You may be using a Bible app. You may be on your computer, those who are not here in person. Whatever you use to find the Word of God, You've heard me say this repeatedly through the years. It's important for you to read along with the scriptures that we're reading here at church because many times when you we begin to mention a scripture, our mind says, well, I know what that says. And uh, so if we don't follow along, then we can't check if we really did know what that verse said. And so a lot of people miss God's best because they don't really begin to correct what they have been taught or what they had thought a scripture said with what it really does say. Amen. I heard one story of a man that he uh, needed healing in his body. And he kept coming to these healing services uh, night after night, but he never brought his Bible. And so the minister noticed this, and he encouraged him. He says, bring your Bible. Bring your Bible to this service. I want you to to read uh, the scriptures that I'm quoting. And the guy goes, you bet, you bet. And he was a a busy guy. He had his own business, and uh, he just kept forgetting. And so he came 20 times to this service and never received his healing. But on the 21st time that night, he brought his Bible. And as the scriptures were being read, he opened to those scriptures and he began to see that what he thought that scripture said, it didn't say that at all. And once he saw that which it did say, his faith was activated and that night he got his healing. And that's why we keep encouraging each one of us to open our Bible and follow along. And I I would recommend taking notes because you can get a nugget from the Lord And uh, 30 minutes after the service, you can forget what that was. Because in the service, you were in the Spirit. Your spirit was listening. Your your spirit got the revelation. But you know, your mind didn't get it. And so you leave, and you get out of the Spirit, and then you go, oh my, what did he say? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you tonight. You're so good to us. We thank you that the Bible, the, the Word of God, is you speaking to us. And you invested your life and your power in the words that you spoke. We didn't just get your thoughts. We didn't just get your perceptions. We actually got your life. Jesus said himself that the words that I speak unto you, they are spiritual, they're of a spiritual substance, and they are life or life-giving. And Jesus, I know that that's what you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. So we say tonight we'll hear with our heart. We say tonight we'll receive the very essence of heaven into our spirit man as we hear and believe and begin to act on that which we hear. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
All right, here we go. We've been talking about what? Everybody should know this is the seventh uh, installment of this subject matter. It's the power of words, meaning that words are carriers or potentially carriers of power and anointing. Jesus taught us how to activate, how to cause our words to be filled with that power, with that faith. And so he, in his teaching in the four Gospels, he, teaches, he taught us the, the spiritual laws that he himself was cooperating with. And that's why his, his earthly ministry was so productive, because he allowed God to work through him by apply, applying spiritual laws, or what we said last week, the principles of faith. Now look here in what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. This is a very... Uh, valuable and important and pregnant versus scripture. This is Jesus responding uh, to a question that was asked of him when he spoke to a fig tree and the disciples noticed that the fig tree obeyed what he said to it and so here he's beginning to tell them why. He's beginning to lay down the principles of faith. So here in Mark eleven twenty three. 23 he begins to say that whosoever shall say. But for verily, verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall say. So we see that words or speaking words are a part of the application of spiritual laws. Words are more than what we, uh, I think, that we consider. Words can either add to our life or words can take away from our life. Remember that scripture that both death and life are in the power of the tongue. And whatever you're saying, you're going to eat the fruit thereof. So he's saying that, number one, that one of the spiritual laws is to say. Now, in this one verse, this verse 23, Jesus mentions the word say in some form relative to you and I, he mentions that word three times. I heard someone say years ago that anytime Jesus repeats himself, you need to be listening. I mean, sure, we should be listening <clears throat> every time Jesus speaks, but when he repeats something, like over there in Matthew 18, 19, he says, again, I say unto you. So he's been telling the disciples about that prayer of agreement. That's vitally important especially to the married couple and to believers who can lock their faith, faith together to do it. Just by two, they can increase what they can do by 10 times. It's powerful. So he mentions this word say three times. So words are important. Did you hear what I said? In fact, say this after me. The words that I speak are important. Now, let me just tell you a little about a little bit what I heard this past year. There were some things going on in my personal life and then also here in my ministry life that, that I felt like God had the potential to do more. Am I the only one that's ever thought about that? Hey, God, I'm doing my part. Where's you, aren't you supposed to be doing your part? How many of you know that God's doing as much as he can for each one of us? We're only giving him so much to work with. 
And the Lord got into my hands this teaching by Charles Capps. It's 12 individual teachings. They're about 50 minutes long. And he's teaching on confession or letting your words work for you or create for you. And when I started listening to these, these, this teaching, I was seeing that I was the one that was limiting God. Have you ever thought about that? That you and I have the potential to limit God in what he can do in our life? I've never really thought of it that way. I, I've just figured, you know, he's God, he's going to get her done. But you know, that's scriptural because the Bible talks about how Israel limited God. The Bible says that they limited the God of Israel. And they did that through unbelief. They did that by vocalizing their unbelief. You remember the, the 12 spies. And so the Lord began to show me that my mouth was what was slowing things down and what he had promised to do for me. It was my own mouth. Of course, I was saying all the right things at church, just like you guys do, right? Oh, hallelujah, got the victory. But you know, when we're in the privacy of our home, somehow we, we, we talk about what we really believe. Not putting on what we believe at church, but actually saying what we believe. And so that's why we got into this series. To be honest with you, I think the Lord probably got me on this subject matter to help me. And I'm okay with that. I, I hope you're being encouraged as well. I hope you're making adjustments as well. If you're not making adjustments on this, this study that we've been in for seven weeks, then you're really either not listening or you're just lazy or you don't think it's going to make a difference. Which one is it? I believe that you know that this can change your life. Amen? It's just like a, a boat that's out in the open water. That little rudder will point that boat, regardless of how big it is, it'll point that boat with a little steering wheel that's connected to the rudder. And that's what it says in the epistle of James, that, that our tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It may seem like a small member, but it steers our life in the direction that we want it to go. Amen. So Jesus is saying exactly that. Three times he's mentioning our words. Three times he's mentioning what you're saying. And we found out last week that this word say has two components to it. Uh, the first component, component of saying, and when I'm talking about saying, I'm talking about saying what God says. My words don't have the same power as God's words. And when I make his words my words, now it's as if God himself is speaking. So the first thing of saying what God says is to say about me what he says about me. Saying I have what he says I have. And that got us over into Romans chapter 10, Verse 17. Do you guys know that verse? 
So then faith, and understand that faith is the expression that releases God's creative power. Because if you had a if you had faith as a mustard seed, you might say. Notice there's the connection between creative power, which is faith, and what you say. If you had a grain, if you just had one mustard seed of faith, you would say. So understand that faith comes by hearing. So then faith comes by hearing, and we understand it's hearing the word of God. As you hear the word of God, it says that's how faith comes to us. That's how faith is, is sown into our heart. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Jesus in saying, whoever shall say unto this mountain, he's talking about saying to the mountain what God would say to the mountain. The question I need to ask myself is what am I saying to the mountains in my life? What am I saying about what the doctor said about my body? What am I saying about the symptoms or the feelings or the things that I recognize going on in my body? What am I saying about my bill box? What am I saying about my relationships? Hello? What am I saying about this and what am I saying about that? Well, what I need to be saying is what God would say. And the only way for me to know what God would say is to get into the word of God and start hearing what he's, he would say so that I can impart the faith of God in my heart. You may not like this example, but it's like loading a gun. How many of you know that you can't shoot a, a revolver if you don't have any bullets in it? Just ask Barney Fife, right? He can't shoot the gun if there's no bullet in the cylinder, right? right. And many times that's what happens to you and I. We've got a circumstance in our life, but we've got no bullets in our heart. Because we have to load it with the word of God. Amen? Faith comes by what? Comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we've been talking about this. We, we took all last Wednesday, and here we are talking about it again. It, it's interesting. It, it's, I, I get into these, these, these studies, and I think, okay, this is where we're at, and this is where we're going next. And then I get before the Lord, and, and, and I find he's, he's, he's going slow down. Slow down. You know, the engine, the engine of learning is repetition. The engine of learning is hearing something over and over again. Now, to our mind, that's boring. But to our spirit, it's a delight. And that's why we got to control our mind when we listen to the teaching of God's word or when we're speaking the word to ourselves, because our mind wants to go off all sorts of places, right? We got to keep our heart on the, on what we're hearing. So understand that first, you and I, in order to have faith in our heart, in, in order to load our gun, as it were, 
or to put that substance of faith into our heart so then we can use it later to create for us. We've got to begin hearing the word of God. Now, whose voice is the most important voice to hear the word of God? Better not say Pastor Bruce. <laughs> no, you've got to hear yourself. It's almost like this, not completely like this, but sort of like this. You don't have anybody eat food for you, do you? Hey, Mayor, eat that steak for me. Well, no, I have to eat food myself to get it into my body, right? Now, I'm not belittling us listening to teaching. I'm not belittling hearing from your pastor. But if that's all you're doing, you're missing out. You're missing out. Your spirit man needs to hear your voice. It needs to hear that inner ear of yours speaking the word of God. Amen? Now, you're over there in the 11th verse of chapter 10, Romans. Go back just a couple of verses. I'm going to read to you Romans 10, verse 8. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Just a couple of verses, seven verses before verse 17, or however many that is. He says, what saith it? The word, that would be God's word, is near you. Where is it? Even in your mouth. So where's the word of God? Where? In your mouth. And in your heart. Remember, we, we talked about this last week, that anytime you're looking at faith, the two main components of faith is the Word of God in your heart and the Word of God in your mouth. And that's how we got saved. And that's what this verse is heading to. It's, it's talking about creating our salvation by having the Scripture, the Word of God in your heart and having the Scripture in your mouth. Now, Notice what came first. This verse of Scripture says, The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. Now, have you ever read a Scripture and somehow it didn't seem right to you? It, 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 it's kind of like taking a, taking a shower with your clothes on. You, you're reading it, you hear what it's saying, but you're going, I don't really understand this. And it, I don't want to use the word bothered me, but it was just something I had on the, on the shelf saying, I, I want to learn what this verse means. Because it says here that, that the word of God is in your mouth first, and then it's in your heart. And where it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, 
or excuse me, verse 13, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says that we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore spoken. Well, that's, that's the way it should be, right? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth does speak. So why is Romans 10.8 saying that I'm supposed to speak the word out of my mouth first? And then it's in my heart. And then just recently in this study, the light came on. Because Jesus was talking in Mark eleven twenty three 23 about saying the word to get it in your heart and then saying the word from your heart to create it out of your mouth. Now, did that just go, did, you, did, did that just go, did you, miss, did you miss that or did you catch that? Maybe I didn't say it quite right. The Lord showed me that verse 8, Romans 10, 8, what saith it? The word is near you in your mouth. So, so I'm speaking the word with my mouth. Why am I doing it in that order? Because I've got to get the word into my heart. Faith begins where the will of the Lord is known. So... I've got to load the gun. I've got to get the word of God in my heart. I can only do that by what? Hearing. Faith comes by hearing. So verse 8 is saying, the gospel is near you. Put it in your mouth. Begin to hear it with your ears so you have faith for salvation. So it's obvious that the saying comes first so that you can hear it. And when you hear it, then faith is deposited in our heart. Once it's in our heart, then we can say what we believe and create. And that's exactly what verse 10 says. Look at Romans 10.10. 10. So what did I do in verse 8? I put the word of God in my mouth. I began speaking the words of salvation. Then I had what? Faith to be saved. Amen. Most Americans, as long as they have been living under a rock, have heard the gospel. They've heard the scripture concerning receiving Jesus as their Savior, confessing him as their Lord. I mean, you see, it, you see it everywhere. And so unless you've been under a rock, most Christians have faith to be saved. Then all they have to do is now say what they believe about Jesus. They've heard, and so now they, now they have it in their heart, but now they got to create what they heard by saying, and it says in verse 10, it says that for with the heart. Notice it starts with the heart now. Why is it starting with heart? Because you already put the word in your heart in verse 8. Get it? 
So verse 10 says that with the heart man believes unto a right standing with God. And notice what the mouth does. What it says. When, when that mouth says what they believe, it's made or creates salvation. See that? So, and we're going to get to this second rule of saying. This, the second role of saying is to create. Now, many times you and I can school ourselves into faith. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize that at the time, but many times that's what I've done. Now, what does it mean to school you, school yourself into faith? Well, I saw that principle that we found in Mark eleven twenty four. That Jesus, Jesus ended teaching on those three sayings, those three principles of faith using the speaking of God's word, he finishes that verse 23 by saying, uh, you shall have what you say. Well, I, I heard what the word of God said that applied to something I needed in my life. Now, you, you guys know my story. Uh, Mare and I, once we got married, we, we needed everything. I mean, we were living out of state, so we had no family. Well, we had her brother, but he was the same, in the same state we were in terms of in need of everything. We had no real, any outside help, except for Neil and Judy Sprague. They, they helped us. But... I found out from the word of God that God was willing to help me in the realm of finances. That he was willing to help me in this realm of healing in my body. He was willing to help me to be led by the spirit of God. And so I would find a scripture that applied to, uh, let's say, our finances. Now, I remember one Saturday morning, Mary and I coming down the Carter Lake Hill in our 1966 Rambler four-door with a straight six that I had to stick a, 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 a pipe, a copper pipe down over top of the oil pump and ran it on the outside of the engine and bored a hole in the top of the valve cover to stick that copper pipe into the uh, rocker arms just to get lubrication to it. I mean, that's how awesome that car was. And it was during the winter, and I had a seasonal job, and there was no every week paycheck. And so we were coming off the mountain, and I look over at my wife, and we're heading to the store, and she's crying. That's always fun, you know, Saturday morning, your wife's crying. I said, what are you crying about? We don't have any money. Well... That really wasn't true. We did have some money. <laughs> it wasn't really enough to do all that we wanted to do that day, but we had some money. And I said, out of the, the Bible, I said, but my God shall supply 
all of our need according to his riches and glory. Now, at that point in time, that was, I was just speaking what I knew the Bible said. It wasn't in my heart yet. Remember I said we can school ourselves into faith? So I kept using that verse every time that a situation came up. I'd say, but my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. What did I do first? I put the word of God in my mouth. And I started hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. And this went on for months. Every time something financial came, but my God supplies all might. I wouldn't say what I saw. I didn't say what the bill box said. I didn't listen to the thoughts in your mind. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I said the word. And then all of a sudden, one day, that word got into my heart. And the Lord supernaturally showed me uh, how to create a, a very small business that increased our income by tenfold. Well, I kept saying and saying the word until it dropped down into my heart, and then my heart showed me where the money was. I said it for a period of time to get it into my heart, and then I kept saying it, and now I'm speaking it in the other direction. When I'm saying it at the beginning, it's coming into me, but then once it became a part of me and I had that faith for God meeting all my needs according to his riches and glory, then I was saying it, and it would begin to create for me. See, I schooled myself into faith. I just kept saying it, didn't realize it was just feeding me to put faith in me, and then it made a reversal, and I'm saying the same thing, but now it's creating. You listening to me? How many times did you hear about Jesus before you confessed him as Lord? See, that was building faith. Every time you heard, it was building faith that capacity to call upon his name because now it wasn't just head knowledge, it was heart knowledge and you spoke it out. Jesus, come into my life and now that faith created salvation inside of our lives. Amen. Thank you for that rousing response with the amen there after I said that. That was, that was great. It just gave me a warm and fuzzy all over the place. I'm being sarcastic. I'm sorry. Now, let's, let's demonstrate this. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit said to me this afternoon. I want you to demonstrate how to get faith in your heart. This is going to be fun. I can just tell by your expressions. I trust somebody smiling out there in streamland. By the way, it's good to have you with us tonight. You got your Bible open? Is the Lord helping you? I trust he is. I want you to go over to uh, Matthew 8, verse 16. 
Now, let me say something here, something that I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me this afternoon. I, I feel like I need to mention it. You and I are greatly impacted by our past experiences. Greatly impacted. Like, for example, uh, when I lost my dad through death when I was nine years old. That, that left a thorn or a stinger in, in my heart that took years to get out. I, I was, even as a young man, I, I, I thought maybe because of my DNA, you know, that I'd die early. If my dad died at 39 years old, how can I expect to live longer than him? And so because of that experience, when I started he uh, hearing scriptures about healing, I still had this stigma, this stigma of early death. And so that's an area that you have to work extra hard. Some of you grew up poor. You went through a time where you, you, you went without meals. You, you, you couldn't pay the bill. You, you, you had phone call after phone call from bill collectors. And, and it left a stinger in your heart that when you hear about prosperity, it's very difficult to believe it. And so you have to work extra. You've got to put more effort in to get the word in your heart. And every one of us has multiple areas of our life. I, you know, I had a problem, you know, before I was born again. I, I went through a, a divorce. That puts, a, that puts a stinger in you. You know what I'm saying? A thorn in your flesh. And the enemy uses that. He uses pain to influence us. He uses pain to, to neutralize us pressing after the things of God that contradict what happened to us in, in, real, in our real life. And so for several years, when, when even though I was born again and, and newly married to my bride, uh, Marianne, there were some areas, I, you know, I, I wouldn't let her, I didn't put her on our checking account. <laughs> Why? Well, I'm thinking about what happened with the first marriage. And your mind just thinks, well, it happened before, it's going to happen again. So you have to work extra hard to pull out the remembrance and the pain of those things that happen in our life to get the word down in your heart because your mind is like a filter. It... it, it it won't let the word of God just accept everything. It challenges things that, that we um, had problems with. And so you have, to, you have to realize that. And you have to take the concerted effort to get your mind to, to let go of its buts. But you're different. But, you know, blah, blah, blah. You got to be careful when your mind starts saying B-U-T when you hear the word of God that's there to help the situation you're currently in. Yeah. 
Does that make sense? And we have to start recognizing our weaknesses. And why? Why? I even turned a guy down while I was a pastor. He, he says, well, I got this relative that, that died, and I want you to do the funeral. And I said, no, because I don't want to deal with death. That's a problem for a pastor, you think? Just nod your head. That's, that's a problem. You're supposed to be there in people's time of need. So it took time to get that word down into my heart, to, to get that area of my life that was traumatized to continue to influence me. And so here we go. Matthew 8 16, I really thought we would get through this tonight. Matthew 8, 16. Now this is talking about Jesus. And Matthew uh, chapter 8 is an awesome chapter on healing. And this is just an example of that. It says that when the evening was come, they, and these would be the followers of Jesus or those of the city, the town where they were currently traveling through, they brought unto Jesus, it says many, that were possessed with devils. And it says that he cast out the spirits with his word or by what he said. So he used that voice of authority, the same voice that you have because of Jesus being your Lord. And then it says, and healed all that were sick. Now this verse determines the will of God. There is no faith if I don't agree that the scripture that I'm reading is the will of God for my life. There is no faith <laughs> if I don't believe that it's the will of God for me to have what this verse says I can have. So it says here that he healed all. Huh? He did what? He healed all. Now understand that Jesus was the will of God in action. So if Jesus healed one person, now he has to heal everybody because he's not a respecter of persons. So when I hear this verse, if I say this verse to myself, I'm hearing the will of God. He healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick. See, I put the word of God in my mouth. I'm saying what God says. He healed all that were sick. Therefore, he healed me that was sick. I include myself, I make it personal, and I let my ears hear that. And while I'm hearing it, I don't let my mind say, but you're different. Your condition, you know, it's, it's, it's different. No, when I'm thinking that while I'm hearing my voice say he healed all that were sick, it's staying up here. I got to believe what I'm hearing. He healed all that were sick. 
He, he, and, and, and sometimes it's best to close your eyes because you want the word of God to paint a picture on the canvas of your heart. If I see myself sick, if I see myself dying, if I see myself hindered physically, then my faith will not work. Because I'm fixated on what I see, and what I'm seeing is now what I'm believing. I'll never forget, I was at Bible school, and almost every day in school when I heard the Word of God, my eyes were like this big, because I was hearing things for the first time. And I was like this, this little bird, and I was just had my mouth open, and they were just shoving the Word of God down my throat. And... So I would, not just in the classes, but especially during special meetings, I would be attentive to how the ministers ministered. I'd listen to what they say, especially when they were ministering to individuals. Well, here comes this. They're, they're, they had an altar call for people to receive healing. And people are coming up, and here comes this guy pushing somebody in a wheelchair. Now, I don't know his story, but I'm assuming he, it's quite possible he couldn't walk, crippled. He's in a wheelchair, right? And Brother Hagen had some people that he trusted help him minister. There was just so many people at the altar. I mean, they are lined up all over the place in the hundreds. And so he had certain ministers come and and spend time with each one of them that was at the altar. And so I'm relatively close, maybe from me to Peter, to where the guy was in the wheelchair, and this, this minister, this young minister, came up to minister to this guy in the wheelchair. Well, I'm listening. What's he going to say to this guy? Right? I'm looking at how would I you know, minister to someone like this. I'm trying to learn. I'm in a training center. So I'm listening. And so he ministered to this individual, prayed for him, laid his hands on his forehead. And when he got done, he says, now, the healing power of God is in you right now. And according to the word of God and according to the Bible, you're healed. For by his stripes you were healed. Now, these aren't the exact words, but this is how I remember he says, from this moment forward, I want you to see yourself healed. I want you to see yourself walking. I want, you need to start seeing yourself doing what you can't do now. You got to see yourself taking care of yourself. You got to see yourself driving a car. You got to see yourself being able to have a job. You need to see yourself healed. And I didn't realize how important that was. There's a real connection that when we get the word of God in our heart, that place where faith is, that you see yourself with what God has purchased for you. And so when you're saying this to yourself and he healed all that were sick, I'm seeing myself being delivered from the symptoms. I'm seeing myself being delivered from the hindrances that this sickness brings. I'm, I'm seeing myself well. I'm seeing myself healed. I remember when uh, Dad Hagen, Kenneth E. Hagen, was 
16-year-old boy. And uh, the Lord was helping him to get off that bed. He, he was 16 years old, had an incurable blood disease. He had paralysis. He was almost blind. He was uh, completely immobile from his waist down, had no feeling in his legs at all, couldn't even move them, didn't even know they were there. And the Lord was teaching him about faith. And so he was learning about Mark eleven twenty four, about how you have to believe you receive what you ask for when you pray. And he was getting him to, to get comfortable with that. And so the Lord asked him, what would you be doing after you're healed? What would you be doing if you're walking, you're normal like everybody else, you're completely healed? What would you be doing? He says, he says I'd be out preaching. So the Lord said, well, you better get ready. So he got his grandmother to get him a notebook and a pencil, and he started writing sermons. <laughs> Why? He saw himself well. He saw himself healed. And that's a vital component to getting the Word of God into our heart seeing ourselves with what the Bible says is already ours and see yourself doing things that you couldn't do amen so this verse 16 of Matthew 8 determines the will of God and then in verse 17 it begins to show us that this is part of the great plan of redemption. Then it says that Jesus healed all that were sick so that it would fulfill or bring to pass or activate that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, and this is talking about the Messiah and what he would provide through our redemption. Excuse me. It says himself did what? He took our infirmities. He did what? He took them. He took our sicknesses. The King James says that he bared our infirmities. That word bear means to lift up, to remove, to convey, and to remove to a distance. You see, he became our scapegoat. He became our substitute, and he took what we had, which was sickness. And he bared our sicknesses. Now, when you begin to speak this to yourself, Jesus took my infirmities. And, and I begin to visualize Jesus on the cross. Jesus took my infirmities. And I picture in my mind God taking my sickness from me. The symptoms I'm having, the, what the diagnosis of the doctor is, I see God taking them from me and putting them on Jesus. Himself took my infirmities. 
He bared my sicknesses. Then I see that from Jesus comes health and healing, and he's putting it on me. You see how this visualization begins to form an image in our heart, and it pushes out, it displaces all those negative experiences we had prior to this point in time. Does that make sense? And you just keep saying, himself took my infirmities. Himself took my infirm. Jesus, you took that pain. I see it. I see it. I see that being removed from me. I see it leaving me. And you start, just keep saying, keep saying. Things will rise up in your heart. Say them. Say them. Maybe other scriptures come up. Yeah, himself took my infirmities. <laughs> Surely he hath borne my griefs and carried my sorrows. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. I, I have already been redeemed from sickness. You've already paid the price. I am as healed as I am forgiven. I am as healed as I am saved. Because at the same time on that cross, you redeemed me from the curse of the law. I'm redeemed from sickness. You already paid for my health and healing. Why should I bear what you've already borne, Lord? Thank you for taking that from me. Thank you for bearing it away. And you keep saying and saying and saying, and you start developing and building up a faith in you that gets to a place of being fully persuaded, a place of confidence, that you get to the place where you, you sense a symptom and you, and you go, <laughs> You start laughing at it where before you'd cry over it. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what faith does. It looks past the circumstances and sees what Jesus has purchased. And if you and I will apply this principle of saying, the, the word is near thee, even in your mouth, in order for it to be in your heart. If we'll just practice that, that'll build this image inside of us in who we are and what we have. And when something comes to contradict it, we get a little uppity, right? We don't go, oh, not again. No, I pulled that stinger out by getting the word into my heart. And we go, uh-uh. <laughs> I'm a child of God. I've been redeemed. You can't come on this. You can't come on my body. I will glorify God in my body. And you just let, just let your mouth do its job and say and say and say and say what he says about you. It gets on the inside to the point where you're fully persuaded that that which he promised and he's also able to perform. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you that it imparts faith into our heart. And when we have faith in our heart, we can say, and therefore we have or create what we say. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, thanks for coming out, guys. God bless you.